0: In Episodes 1 through 9, you might hear the podcast name Heart of Nashville mentioned. This podcast was originally called Heart of Nashville, but due to a name conflict, I decided to change the podcast name to Nashville Untold and relaunch it. Just wanted to note that so it was not confusing when a guest or myself mentioned the name Heart of Nashville instead of Nashville Untold in the first few episodes. Here it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to Episode 8 of Heart of Nashville, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I will be hanging out with Angus Nelson. We will discuss his story and hear everything from addiction to a divorce to healing and how God ultimately put the perfect woman in his life to continue his journey.
1: We were saying before, we always need somebody outside ourselves to kind of help us see more objectively and clearly. And I love to act in that arena because I love people and I've gone through a lot of junk myself. And if I can help people avoid the pain of mistakes or, you know, misguided decisions, then I think I've paid it forward.
0: I know you will enjoy this just as much as I did. Musical guest today will be Ava Page singing a song she co-wrote called Sunshine with a Little Bit of Hurricane. And now, enjoy. Hello, Nashville. Today, I'm coming to you live from Hermitage, Tennessee, Um, sitting down with Angus Nelson. Met him through uh, Nashville Podcasters. And then uh, shortly after hearing him speak one evening, I had coffee with him the next day and he decided to uh, make me change everything I was doing in a previous podcast. (laughs) I didn't make you change. I just suggested you should narrow it down and so after that I was like it was funny because you know you had to be watching my my expressions as I'm like yeah I know I probably thought it was too complicated and you're like looking at me and I'm just kind of laughing like he was brutally, respectfully, honest, so I much appreciated it, and uh he got my wheels rolling again. And well, sometimes, sometimes
1: truth is the most important thing. Like we beat around the bush, we try and be too nice, and we do no on any favors. Amen. How do I move forward if somebody doesn't tell me what I'm doing is a waste of time or not worth it or I'm being foolish or whatever? Like I want people like that in my life yeah. that can help me push me forward, make good decisions, and sometimes we are our own like worst enemies to get in our own way with stuff that makes us procrastinate like we were talking about earlier. It's it's a crazy world we live in and I I remember uh, somebody shared a little note with me that said, every one of us needs somebody outside ourselves to read the label on our own jar.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Well, it's funny because the last few interviews I've done, I would say everybody's got a lot of wisdom, you know, and so some of them, like when you say that, I'm thinking about the interview with Lidge and talking about the masterminds and putting people, you know, in your lives again to speak the truth because, you know, what good does it do if you got somebody that's just patting on your back and going, yeah, I like it. And they're too afraid to speak up. So (laughs) no, I I really, and the funny thing is after I left, you know, my wife throughout this whole process of, you know, rehabbing this, this camper and doing a lot of what I was doing. She's like, are you crazy? And so then to go back and go, by the way, I think I'm going to rebrand and rename and re, you know, it was like, really though? You talked to one person. I was like, yeah, but I like what he had to say. So, um, so I I appreciate it. My pleasure. Glad to have you on here. First, we're going to start out with the speed round. So think quickly what comes to your mind. So how long have you lived in Nashville? Uh, Three years. Why did you move here?
1: Uh, I moved here. My wife and I, we had been traveling for a full year where we had sold our house. And every month we'd stay in a different city, uh, stay at an Airbnb or VRBO. At the end of that year, we had picked two cities. It was Nashville or San Diego because we just liked the spirit and the culture and, you know, what was available. And when we looked at what we could afford and what we would get for that money, uh, Nashville was a pretty pretty easy decision. Plus, it it, it worked out great because we've had family that are close by or now have since moved close by.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and you're only seven hours from the beach. Yeah, that's I wish it was <laughs> less.
1: There was a while when I lived in um, Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, and we were even closer to the beach. Yeah. Uh, so. so, where'd you move from? All
0: over. Uh, All over. Yeah. It's a, where I guess where do you, where would you call or would you call a place more or
1: less home? I guess where you spent more Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, uh, which was where we were last before we hit the road and traveled that year.
0: Now, you said you were from Wisconsin as well, right? Yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, What
1: part of town do you live in now, and why'd you choose this location? Uh, Right where we're sitting. I'm in a hermitage area, and it was was serendipity. We had a fantasy of getting a little piece of property with some land that we could, you know, put a little garden, some chickens, you know, our our little mini farm. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went and saw a whole bunch of properties on a Saturday, and we're driving home back to Huntsville. Um, because, again, we were homeless. We were staying with uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And on the two-hour truck down there, uh, my wife started talking, and I said, Honey, you know... Our kids are at an age where I really want to have adventure, and we're going to this new city. If we get one of these homes on these pieces of property, you're buying the property. The homes need a lot of upkeep. We, need, we needed to fix a lot of stuff. And My last three houses have been fixer-uppers, and I'm thinking every weekend is going to be devoted to that. Why don't we find something kind of turnkey? So as we were going to bed that night, I saw this house... On Trulia, I'm like, oh, that's a cool house. And I went to bed. By the time I woke up that next morning on that Sunday morning, my wife had already done all the research on the area of this house. She found this house as well. You know, again, serendipity and did all the research. um, And she said, I found the house and I already talked to the realtor and we're on our way back or we're on our way up there. And I had to work. I couldn't come. So I ended up seeing the house via uh, FaceTime. Mm hmm. My wife zipped up here and zipped back right before an ice storm came in. And we made an really? offer that night.
0: Nice. That worked out for you. Probably took some competition out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, although th- there were two other offers. There were oh, okay. Three so total. It didn't. okay. So nice. then my wife wrote this letter and put all these yeah. pictures in about our adventure we had just gone on. And I think they thought that was pretty awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it still surprises me when, when agents don't present. Letters when there's multiple offers, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, just do something to make it mushy. It you
1: makes, can make it real too. Make it meaningful. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then of course you're what you're, I don't know what, half a mile from Donaldson line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh favorite restaurant. Uh, I'm going to go with Pinewood social for the ambiance. I just, I like that vibe. Now, is that like the best food in town? Not so much, but that's the food I like, the kind of vibe I enjoy. And when I go out, that's, you know, that's kind of what I want to Experience. Mm-hmm.
0: I tell you, I've had a burger there the last, I guess, twice in the last month. I was, I it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. And they yeah. have fancier stuff than that. Yeah. But I, I got to agree, um, just their burger alone is actually quite stellar. Mm-hmm. So, favorite hobby? Gosh, I wish I had a hobby. Uh, my favorite hobby is spinning up my uh, side business, I guess. Okay. Um, I used to play guitar. I used to golf. I used to do a whole lot of things, and then I had kids, and uh, then I did some startup stuff. And I think I've been kind of bit by the bug, trying to get my own business up and running. So I do that on the side, doing coaching and consulting for small businesses, helping them connect with audiences. Right, and then for larger companies, I help them actually create you know brand content and brand brand strategy to help them speak directly to their core audience. Right. Tell me something crazy about yourself. I'm an identical twin and my identical twin just moved to Franklin. Nice. So he's just down the road now. So what's he thinking right now? I have no earthly idea. People ask me that all the time. They're like, "Oh, you guys have special powers?" I'm like, "Not really." But uh, growing up, we lived in different parts of the country, and I'd like call home to talk to mom, and my mom would say, "You'll never guess who's on the other line," (laughs) which is a
0: dead giveaway, right? We
1: we would be calling at the same time. Oh, oh,
0: really? Okay. Yeah. So, can you like guess his pin number or something so you can get into his bank account? I told you you can't do it. No superpowers. That's a bummer. So, where is one of the most exciting places
1: you've uh, you've visited? outside of nashville or in nashville
0: outside of nashville
2: Mm.
1: unless nashville is your most i'm gonna say split croatia was pretty amazing or uh couture montenegro i'm gonna go with couture montenegro because the history and the accessibility to it i was on a cruise ship my brother my wife and i were teaching social media on a cruise ship that was a nice gig and they pulled into where couture is and it's in amongst some fjords and you have to go for about an hour through these fjords. And it's like this huge cruise ship going through these little, you know, narrow straits. And when you get into where this bay is and the city and the castle and the big wall around all of it, it's just magical. Wow. Um, and you can climb up the hills. You know, like I said, you know, these these fjords, they're, they're just almost straight up. So you can do all these switchbacks, get up top, and the view is just spectacular. And where is it again? It is Couture uh, Montenegro. Where is that at? Uh, do you know where the former Yugoslavia was? Kinda maybe. Do you know, Albania, Greece. Yes, Greece. So from range. Greece, wrap around to Italy. It's in between all of that. Okay. There's a bunch of small like Croatia and Albania is all right tucked in there with Montenegro.
0: Nice. That's pretty cool. There's quite a few places outside of Nashville, I guess so huh? hmm, a couple uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you hit on a little bit of what you
1: do in that in one of those questions, but uh just a general overview of you. So Uh, In addition to what I was saying before, I'm doing strategy and marketing for other people. And then my coaching is more along the lines of life coaching for executives, helping people kind of get out of their own way. And that's where we're saying before, we always need somebody outside ourselves to kind of help us see more objectively and clearly. And I love to act in that arena because I love people and I've gone through a lot of junk myself. And if I can help people avoid the pain of mistakes or, you know, misguided decisions, then I think I've paid it forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so thinking back to uh, your younger years, mm-hmm. um, what influence did your family or your environment have on who you are today?
1: I think my people skills is probably my most developed uh, hard skill. It's like the uh, hard skill of soft skills, especially in this day and age. People are, re- they're relying so much on digital, the people side of of interaction and of strategy has Kind of gone off the rails And I think the future relies on Emotional intelligence, self-awareness And elements of interacting with people and leadership And that's the thing I've really Kind of poured my heart into Is understanding psychology, people I kind of snickered before when you were saying I was reading your face Because I actually do that, I read people I watch for nonverbals and I watch for a response because that's the emotional intelligence you know, that I've studied. And I think the gift of communication is not saying what you want to say so you think people understand you. The gift of communication is saying it in such a way that the person you're talking to can understand it and receive it. And the more that you learn how to deliver information to people the way that they you know, need it, um, the more powerful your interactions will be with people. Because they will feel understood, they will feel loved, they will feel feel like you hear them and see them, mm-hmm. um, and that's a critical component. And when you put that into a business context, like uh, my biggest client right now is um, an organization called LifeOfDad.com, which is both a community as well as an agency, which we help big brands tell authentic stories through dad influencers. One of the things that I've been Trying to help these brands understand is, you know, dads have a different way of seeing the world. You can't just come at them with some kind of a branded content strategy that's all talking about your brand. Nobody cares what your brand is. How does your brand interplay with my world? And as a father, I need something that's funny and cheeky, maybe irreverent. You know, dads respond to that. You know, at our age, like we don't want something that's just straightforward and just another broadcast message. So bringing self awareness and emotional intelligence, even into that role is really fun. I, admittedly, there are some <laughs> brands that still don't get it as much as you like to try and show the way, but the ones that do, and they'll trust us, we have massive success. So
0: the, and I, I know you said it, uh, but the influence was your skills. And then as far as people wise, family or where you grew up at, or, you know,
1: My, my <laughs> parents taught me how to love people and how to serve people. My dad was super generous. He's the kind of guy that would give you the shirt off his back. He received a large inheritance at one point, and I think he gave almost all of it away, Uh, for better or worse. But he's just that kind of guy. He loves to help and serve. He was a former pastor, and when I grew up, he wasn't. A pastor. He wasn't even, I guess you call a believer. So I was able to experience watching him as a teenager go through this transformation where mm-hmm. he was really hard on us as kids. And especially in sports, I played ice hockey and didn't matter if we won, he would like criticize something about you know our performance. When I got older as a teenager and he went through this you know, season. Um, I can remember coming off the ice and he put his arm around me, and said, Way to go, you did the best you could, and I'm so proud of you. And I was like looking up at him like, Who the heck are you? Right. Like and that was him going through this, you know, realization that he didn't need to be that hard on us and that he could come from a different perspective and, and love and be a little connected to emotion. He's still not altogether connected. Like I'm probably the most touchy feely guy in our family, but um he is a lover. He, yeah. in his own way, he loves people and, and always wants to help. So you have how many kids? Uh, I have three children. So is
0: uh, is that a challenge for you to consistently do what your father did in older? I mean, because I think about me and I, I was as we were watching a Super Bowl game last night, three boys and they're being loud and you're like, go another room. And, you know, I was just I just constantly had to reflect and, and just think, I guess I really wasn't shown, you know, what love looked like growing up for mm-hmm. my father, mm-hmm. even though he tried, but he had addictions and stuff that you know influenced him. Um, and so I find myself getting stuck at times, having to keep going. All right, you got to keep getting softer. You got to keep, mm-hmm. in a good way, you know. Yep. I guess I should say kinder and more loving, you yep. know. And it's it's a challenge, you know. Yeah. So you kind
1: of triggered that thought in me, you know. Yeah, for me, um, I was a stay-at-home dad for the first four years of my two youngest. We got married. We had a blended family in the context that my oldest was a product of my wife's, uh, what I like to call practice marriage. So then we had two more on top of that. So now their age spread is twenty-two, eight, and seven. Mm -hmm. Well, the eight eight and the seven year old um, was a product of my first four years being present in their lives in a way that was really actually, I mean, if I can use the word transformation, that was really transformative for me because at first it, it kind of hurt my ego. We were in transition. I was closing down a non-profit. My wife had a good job and we wanted somebody home with the kids. We just felt that that was a, a value for us and we made the sacrifice to do so. At the same time, it's hard, you know, it's hard to be home with the children all day. And I just made a choice that I was going to run the house like a business. So I had different things that had to be done at certain times, otherwise, my coworkers would have meltdowns. My coworkers being my two children. And I learn how to be present and experience the world through their eyes. And now with my kids, because I'm touchy feely, like I help bring out of them their feelings and their emotions. Like when they get, you know, upset or they get hyper or whatever, I'll ask them, I was like, what are you feeling right now? And they would they've learned how to communicate and give words to that emotion. When I put them down at night, my two youngest kids, whenever I'm home and not traveling for stuff. I basically say three things to both of them. I say, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I believe in you. And I read a book by John Eldritch years ago in which he said, every man wrestles with one question and that is, do I have what it takes? So to my son, I end the evening by saying, you got what it takes. And now that he's older, not only do we say that, but then he's like, you got a pocket full of snakes. (laughs) And I said, don't be eating all those cakes. You know, and we play with it. But like my kid's a total daredevil now and total like he's just a go-getter and he's got self-confidence, you know, out the wazoo. And I think it's a product of me letting him know that somebody's got his back. My daughter, her final um, statement I say to her when I put her to bed is that you're beautiful. Tell daddy why. And she has this kind of memorized thing she's made up where she says, I'm kind I'm beautiful. I'm generous. I don't quit. And all these other attributes, they're all internal. And like I said, I've been doing this since they were, you know, cognizant that they Mm -hmm. could, you know, understand. And when she was about four, we were in a toy store and she looked over on the shelf and she saw some Barbie dolls. And she turned to me and she said, poor Barbie. And I'm like, well, what's what's the matter, baby girl? And she said, Barbie only thinks she's beautiful on the outside. And that's when I knew, like, she's got it. Wow, that's cool. Well, it's crazy. The yeah, at such a young age, doing this
0: stuff. You know how it makes a big impact. I like to just. The, it's kind of neat because my wife, at times, she'll be like. If she's had a rough day, well, you haven't done this. Well, technically, I haven't stayed home with them in an the extended period of time. But that would be interesting to just get
1: that perspective, you know, of uh, of being there. Yeah, I think time and, I, I think know. a lot of men, you know, dads, we we are our own worst enemies when it comes to that. We say that we don't know how to do it. We say that we're incapable. We say, you know, whatever. Um, and I think it's really an excuse that some of us don't know how to process our own feelings and emotions, and anytime we get close to that, sometimes we want to run away. Mm -hmm. It was Joseph Campbell that said uh, that in the cave that you fear to enter lies the treasure that you seek. And many times we're confronted by fears, whether it's in relationship or in business or a product launch or um, changing jobs or whatever, like we come up against fear. And I always like to say that fear is kind of the invitation to the next echelon of living. And sometimes we have to address those fears head on in order for us to experience the very thing that we want and get rid of the excuses, get rid of, you know, being intimidated by the situation or the the feeling, the emotion or whatever. And with our kids, it's so easy to feel like I'm going to fail them. I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to do the wrong thing. And yet kids don't care if you're perfect or not. They care if you're present. Mm Mm-hmm are you listening? Do you see me? Do you take time to hear my words? And I try to put my digital devices away and look at them while I'm talking to them and hear their words and, and speak to whatever it is that they're experiencing in that moment. And as such, I think we have a lot more camaraderie. In addition, we homeschool and I work out of my house. So I have these French doors. So my kids, whenever they go past the French doors, will do something funny to get my attention or dance or make faces, you know, whatever. And so that connection that we have together um, has really been really fruitful, I think, for all involved
0: yeah man that's awesome again more conviction sitting here listening to you talking you're not talking directly at me but you kind of are um <laughs> I, my middle son yeah the whole attention thing it's mm-hmm. it was that's that's a that's a good reminder to mm-hmm. put everything down and look at that one-on-one mm-hmm. i did a thing um at this men's retreat and you had to stare at somebody for five minutes have you ever done mm-hmm. that yeah yeah <laughs> that
1: was kind of wonderfully awkward, <laughs> awkward right
0: <laughs> yeah it was um yeah, that's, that's great. So as you're listening to this, hit 15, 15, 15 a few times and then listen to what he just said, because that was some really good stuff. What's some uh, pivotal markers that have helped you
1: shape who you are? Failure. Um, I was doing a business when I was in my late 20s and both of my brothers had gotten married. I was like all in on this business, but it wasn't going well. I made some bad choices. We got the company in debt. And so I, out of my own ego and trying to save face, I just worked harder because that's what we do, right? Is, um, when things get difficult, we just buckle down, work harder, but working harder never fixes anything. We need to work smarter. I didn't know that. And as a result, I was doing these 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks and then coping with the pain. Um, And it started with pornography and then alcohol. And then that turned into me. And and I got married in the midst of all this and for all the wrong reasons. And so I wasn't happy there as well. So this cocktail of, you know, porn and alcohol, then I started, you know, sleeping around on my wife, which, you know, hurt her feelings. I don't mean to be light, but I mean, it's like... I crushed the marriage, um, but the marriage was rough at all, uh, you know, in the first place. Well, that became the straw, right, um, that broke the back. And so I crashed a marriage. I crashed a business and my self-worth. And I thought I could never, you know, rise from this. I spent the next three years just kind of in self-loathing and self-destructive you know, choices. But the whole time I was trying to... I'd seen enough in my life that there must be a promise and a hope for something, I just wasn't seeing it at that moment. So I just kind of persevered. And eventually I found this guy that was a teacher down in Huntsville, Alabama. And I put my house in the market. I said, I'm gonna go sit down with this guy for a year. And uh, he taught this very holistic approach to the grace of God. I was really good at religion and legalism and beating myself up and judging people, including myself. What I wasn't good at was giving myself room to be human and others the same. And that started to do something inside of me, which again, the people skills I think was a big part of that. And I believe that beauty comes out of brokenness. I didn't see it then, but now looking back, another pivotal moment was very similar um, in which I I got laid off from a job because finances for the company had gotten tight. And I was the most expensive man on the roster, and, as my dad used to say, he says the when things get tough, it's the hogs that get slaughtered, and uh, baby piggies are cute, and we keep them around, you know <laughs> I um, like that I was the hog right. and uh, I got let go and it hurt my ego and and uh, my feelings right and I, in that moment, had to, you know, choose where do I go from here? Do I let it become bitterness? Do I let it become, you know, something that doesn't need to be? And it was amazing during that season. Let me back up a second. When I went to that school, I met my wife when I went to mentor under that guy. So now I'm married. And so here's this this business situation where things are rough and we're trying to scrap together cash. And instead of in my ego and in my narcissism, I was thinking my wife would pull away and that my wife would reject me because I'm not providing, I'm not a good man, I'm not whatever fill in the blank my cognitive reasoning was. All of it was self-destructive. And instead I recognized my wife Love me and was my biggest cheerleader and believed in me and said, you got this. It's pretty huge. You know, when you marry someone who you have compatibility and ha- have gone through a lot of stuff together, if you choose to use all that stuff as something to fuel the intimacy, then I think the marriage can be even stronger. And I think that's what we've experienced.
0: Yeah. So I would imagine, so influence, who's had a big influence and then who's somebody now you're following a I guess I'm speaking for you. I can imagine the guy that you mentored under had a big influence in your life yeah. and who you are now, but
1: I guess you could, if there's anybody else or yeah, well, I mean, right now, um, from a marketing perspective, uh, Russell Brunson, um, is a guy that I think is really crushing it. He helps people with courses, online courses and products and helps you kind of define who you are, giving words to the value that you bring, and then connecting with an audience with the words that speak to their pain points in very, very real ways. Um, so He's my hero right now. I'm reading, I read a couple of his books and I say I'm, re- I started to say I'm reading, which is actually true. I'm reading um, one of those books again, just because it's good nuggets for my industry. And so taking what he does and then applying my little magic sauce to it, I think could be a pretty sweet deal.
0: That's cool. And actually, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about men facing, I guess, themselves, you know, and being real with their emotions and stuff. It made me think of, have you read uh, the book? Is it The Mask of Masculinity? Mm -hmm. By... Lewis, I have to look it up on a podcast, but it's really good because he dived into that mm-hmm. and his experience of what he went through as being an athlete and this tough person and mm-hmm. how he finally came to a place of really, I guess, kind of breaking himself down, you know, mm-hmm. which was probably I was very paraphrasing. I probably butchered it, but it was it made me think of that. And so. We're not on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And as I asked this, you've pretty much answered it as well. But, uh, you know, what are some struggles in your life that have that I guess you've gone through, if there are any
1: outside of what you had already communicated and how have they shaped who you are now? Outside of self-doubt and porn. um, I think I pretty much underscored most most males uh, right there. You know, I was just um, reading something about porn, actually, just recently and how it's kind of like the Ivy and here we live in the South, right? And we see that ivy wrap around trees. And over a period of time, that ivy ends up choking off the tree. Something that looks or uh, appears as being attractive or beautiful or in some way, you know, intriguing um, is deathly. It's, it's vile. It's um, in some ways, you know, venomous to growth and productivity. And that's how we are with porn is that as a man, we were designed to be visually stimulated like there's no doubt about that as a red-blooded male we see something like we're gonna like look um, whereas a woman is more attracted by emotional elements and that's why sometimes you know we see things differently right so that's something that i've had to really go through to get accountability and really connect myself to the emptiness that's at the end of one of those experiences and identify that that's something i don't like It's that ivy wrapped around me, pulling the life out of me. The other area is that self-doubt. Every one of us, like I said, you know, faces fear. And if we can put ourselves around other people, I, I love, I can't remember who said it, but he said, the difference between you are now and the person you'll be in five years is found in the books you read and the people you associate, which both sides of that is, you know, you are who you associate. know you will imitate who you associate so hanging out with people who are of a higher caliber like for me I want to be the dumbest poorest guy in the room you know because I just want to be around people that inspire me and cause me to step up and inspire me and then the other side of that is the things that you're learning I said before you know I've read a lot of books um, I listen to a lot of podcasts I'm constantly filling my head which is why when you ask me what are my favorite hobbies I probably could have said listening and learning. Cause that's probably, that's where I invest my time, my spare time. It's like, that's what I do. And so I think those are the two things, the people and the learning that mm-hmm. I think are what really transforms us through, you know, those things we struggle with.
0: Yeah. So when you're down being an entrepreneur, you know, I know we kind of fluctuate back and forth business, depending on, you know, the means of where it comes from, you could lose something here and there and be down. And then as you talked about, I mean, even listening to all the the podcast and the learning and stuff i you know i found myself it was like i had to i had to turn it off because i guess i had so many things coming through my head and ideas that hmm. and and i guess couple that with procrastination and, you know, Hmm. and shiny object syndrome and all that stuff, you know, you kind of just get overwhelmed, overloaded. So probably for the last year, I've just kind of I've still kept accountability, the mastermind group, which is enough just in itself to keep pushing you forward. So I as you said that, I think, you know, one, how do you keep yourself up? going if there's a down moment and two when
1: you do get you know a lot of chaos how do you clear your mind i think i'm in one of those down things right now and this is why i was just at a conference and things were awesome and you're like yeah it's amazing and then you come home and now you're fatigued and now you're like okay how am i going to execute on this all right now i see the a b c d e you know the steps we have to take to do it and then you can sometimes feel overwhelmed right So then for me, it's a couple things. One is learning and training myself to step back and see a bigger vision. We make too many bad decisions because we only look at the immediate. We have a poor time of kind of estimating what we're capable of doing in a short period of time. And then we limit ourselves in a big period. It's really weird. Our our psychology is so strange. Um, So that's one thing is being able to step back. The other thing is surrounding myself with people that love me. As I said, my wife, I've got a couple of friends that I call when I feel like junk or don't feel confident mm-hmm. in a moment. Those are two things. And then a third thing, I think, is somebody once told me that what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, and what you talk about, you bring about. So if I reverse engineer what has potential of happening, if I feel this you know, junky feeling. And then what happens is we'll get cynical or sarcastic or we'll speak down about that situation. Or worse yet, we talk about bad about ourselves. Oh, I suck. Oh, I'm stupid. I'm never going to do this. Like, that's a product of something. So let's reverse engineer. If that's coming out of my mouth, then if I go forward, then I'm going to bring that about. Uh, Yeah, I am. I'm Hmm. going to self-sabotage. I'm totally going to jack this up. Good point. But if I go backwards in that equation, then it's like, oh, well, then what am I thinking about? Well, how do I change what I'm thinking about? Well, what I'm putting in. So for me, it's then going back to listening to something that's positive, something that is encouraging, something that brings life and light. The heaviness of the world right now in light of all the crazy politics and economics and violence and ridiculousness.
0: Is there there stuff going on
1: out there in the world? Oh, I don't. think, right? I don't watch watch the news, so Um, that's <laughs> and I don't either, but I see it. Yeah, you can't. I see it you, I, can't yeah. you can't escape it. Uh-uh. So it's really easy in this world where everything's so tangible to get kind of pissy, you know, and, you know, wonder what's it all for. And to me, it's really kind of closing that off to say, you know what? This Some of this stuff has always been. It's just now people can actually talk about I, it on a larger forum. Yep.
0: It's readily available, exactly. right?
1: Yep. So instead, understanding that. What is really important to me is actually closer to me than further away. My family and my marriage, uh, my relationships, my brotherhood of guys that, you know, I adore and and we face the world together. We oftentimes put too much value on the opinions of people that don't matter. We're squat. Um, I don't need to have the big house and the big office and making lots of money with the corner office. Like that stuff's not important to me anymore because it's all a big game. Sometimes I feel like it's high school all over again Mm -hmm. and everybody's competing to be liked and be in the click and be
0: alert. You know, how many likes did I get? You know, Mm mm-hmm. Which, you know, go back to the first thing you said about going to the conference and being all excited. And ah, it's funny because as you said that, I thought, you know, that's something going into that. Conference having a mindset of knowing that you're going to have an emotional high. You know, how do you set yourself up? Because, you know, like just this past weekend, you know, going to the men's conference and being around, you know, different people and it just feeds you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess it depends on your personality. But I really enjoy it. Then then you have new ideas mm-hmm. and, you know, then you get back and you're like, all right, what am I going to implement? You know, mm-hmm. or going on mission trips, you mm-hmm. know, just taking yourself out of, you know, this this environment and just serving others. And you get back and it's like, you know, I think the the last time I went, I I had I had a two or three days of, I'd say, depression, right. you know, just because it's like, man, you feel just stuck and you want to do this. And so it's interesting you say that because I'm, I'm and a lot of guys and I would say you'd agree with this probably is that the conferences are good because, right. you know, you're rubbing shoulders, you're networking and just the, the nuggets you get out of there. But, you know, when you step back into the real world, world, how do you uh, prepare yourself, you know, for that entrance? So, interesting detox, you know, yeah, yeah, you know,
1: it's like. I had, You're I had coming down about. off the mountaintop and now you have to apply. And I think one of the biggest things is just find one thing, you know, anything that you listen to, anything that you learn. I love what you said before about, you know, sometimes we go to the stuff for procrastination because then I can just come up with more new ideas. And that's a psychological sabotage technique that we do to never execute. And that's actually my word for this year is execution. Okay. Just doing a lot of the stuff that I've talked about, but never actually did. Right. So for coming down off the mountaintop of any... You know, experience. I want to be executing one thing and I don't want to be one who is consuming more content or, you know, information than I'm actually creating. I want to create something for the world more than I want to consume. And I think that's been a big mind switch for me over the last year and just hacking my brain to not be so focused on trying to do big things and make a big splash and make it awesome and perfect. Instead, I just want to get it out there. So speaking of all
0: that, you said it two or three times, focus. How do you focus on the one thing? How do you keep the
1: squirrels out of your life? I have those little, what are, you know, post-it notes. Mm-hmm. Well, they have them in a big size, you know, the... The big posters, and I stick those against my wall. And I have just a couple of things on there that I prioritize for taking a look at your year. What do I want to accomplish? Break that down into quarters. Well, looking at it as a whole, it's kind of intimidating. But if I can break it into quarters, okay, cool. Then maybe it looks a little smaller. And then I break it up into months, and then to weeks, and then to days. And now all I have to do is just do a little thing, just one thing I have to do today. And strategically, um, that's helped me to accomplish more by seeing it as a legacy or as, you know, a process versus I'm just gonna get something done. I put my head down and I escape everything else. And then what happens is everything disrupts, everything does versus it doesn't matter what's going on. As long as I'm just cracking this one little nut, I was successful today and all the rest is details. Right. So we have to really simplify to see our days in light of accomplishing the one or two big tasks. And then everything else is just chugging away at the little stuff. Holy crap. With our laptops and notifications and our devices, it is squirrel mania, right? I mute my phone. While we've been talking, my phone's been chiming right. at me. I ignore it. And then people get mad at me. Oh, I know you can see your text. You have your phone. <laughs> um, I, we have Slack in our, in our in the company I'm working with, with uh, Life of Dad. And so we have, you know, people are sending Slack messages all the day. When I'm working on something, I ignore all of it. And they get mad. I just sent you Slack. I know you can see this. And I'm like, you know what? An emergency on your part does not necessitate an emergency on mine. For me... With a company like, if you send me something after seven PM, I'm probably not going to respond. I've worked with other companies where they expect you to respond at nine PM or ten PM. No, I have a life, and I'm going to, you know, prioritize. Yeah, you know, with boundaries. Yeah, Um, or the weekend, same thing. You know, Mm -hmm. like don't contact me on the weekend. And I'm doing something else. So boundaries is a big piece. And then, so what did I say? Getting little nuggets out of the day, closing out, you know, the distractions while you're working on those projects and then creating boundaries um, Mm -hmm. around your time. Time is the one thing that you can never get back. So protect it like a mofo. Yeah. Like that's your most valuable resource.
0: Yeah. And I would say, too, on text messages, make sure you have that read receipt turned off. You know, Mm -hmm. you know how some people It's like, I see. I see you saw it. Mm hmm. Or on Facebook, too, it's seen. It's funny because I could tell, you know, which I knew you were on a conference this weekend, but you were and even on Facebook, there wasn't an immediate response. Right. If I sent you something. And usually when I see that, I'm like, um, yeah, you're I think because we want immediate. It's like, hey, man, come Mm -hmm. on. But at the same time, I've learned to respect Mm -hmm. people that respect their time and Mm -hmm. they actually can
1: turn that off. Yeah, Um, I have to bulk it. Right? Yeah, so I get um, time blocking a, a, like right? a series of you know instant messages from whatever channel it is, whether it's text or Facebook or Slack or whatever, and I just block it out. And then when that time's up, then I'll go through it. And I do the same thing with my email. Like you're not going to get me responding to email throughout the day. I will look at the email in the morning. And I'll look at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's about it. If there's a window, like sometimes at lunchtime, if I have a window before I start the next project, I'll, I'll open up my email too. But right. um, I some of my guys I work with, they send me emails to communicate. And I said, do not do that. I am likely not going to see that potentially for 12 to right. 36 hours or whatever, right. you know, if it's a weekend. Uh, 48 hours. Sorry, that's bad. That's not the best way to communicate with mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, my wife, she sent me a text the other day. And I was in
0: between a couple of meetings. And so I was driving and I think I was pulling this thing. So I got to focus on this. And I got a text and it said, hey, you know, I'm laying down real quick, taking a nap. Can you wake me up at so-and-so? Well, I never responded. And then, and I think I thought about it, but then I got sidetracked, you know, and then a little bit later, it's probably 20, 30 minutes after she mm-hmm. had requested that I wake yeah. her up. This is why I can't trust you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, no, I was like, you're an adult. Mm-hmm. Set your alarm clock. Like you can't, and that's how people think that, like, if they send you that, even though you don't even respond, they're still expecting you that you have seen it. No, not mm-hmm. everybody's like that. And, uh, not to, you know, throw my wife under the bus, but uh, I told her I was, I set a boundary. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not, I won't be your alarm clock. So don't set me up for failure. Mm-hmm. Cause, I'm not going to do it. You got a phone, figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said it all very nicely and lovingly. Tough you know, love, via tough te- love. via text, right? <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So, how are you impacting others um, around you and in, in, in your day to day life?
1: In my being, just how I am. In fact, I was at this conference. I had a couple of people say, you know, every time I get around you, you're so easy to talk to. You know, I've done a lot of cool things. I've been a lot of cool places, but I've never tried to make. Those things define me, and so I try and carry myself with enough confidence, a quiet confidence about me, to not be cocky or a douchebag. So people know that I'm here to do business, but at the same time, I'm never too busy to take a moment to see somebody to feel somebody to you know understand somebody and i think that's just my nature is when i get around people i want them to feel valued uh whether they work for me or they don't work for me whether i work for them or don't work for them like i never yet let all of that play into it i try and be just super consistent no matter where i'm at and what i'm doing i try and be real and authentic even if i'm really busy i try and just take a moment and, say, and then i'll you know create boundaries i'm like i right now i'd really love to talk to you about this situation unfortunately i've got these other things going on can we reconnect on this? Can you send me like two or three times you're available in the next few days and let's reconnect. Right. That to me is something I, in my experience is refreshing because mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be light and I want to be contagious to people that you don't have to run the rat race that everybody else runs and that you can be real, that you can be positive and, and inspiring. And I let my words and my vulnerability be the gatekeepers that b- draw people into my influence And I believe that when you show yourself vulnerable, you give others permission to do the same. So they say, oh, Angus, you're the guy who's done this, this, and this, and yet, oh my gosh, you're so approachable. To me, that's like one of the most highest compliments I could ever get is that I'm approachable. Like I'm likable, not from, oh, he's so cool. Like, oh man, I really like that guy. I don't need their affections in that context. What I need is my affections that I love me and confident enough in me that their reaction doesn't dictate character and caliber of human being. And I am.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Um, in the few times that, uh, we've interacted and then having a the coffee of, of, uh, of just asking and just being that calm nature. But that's what I liked about you is that you had that, or you have this calmness about you, but yet you're real and you're going to be, you know, transparent and, uh, and let it be known, you know, how you feel. Mm-hmm. And I like that because sometimes people can come off a little too brash, you Yeah, know? and it's yeah. like, no, you know, and plus, I mean, I think just like with us, you know, you could probably read that I could take it too. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure yeah. that's something with, with that. And actually to go back to, uh, with, when you were talking about that reading, you know, people's faces and stuff which I get, not everybody can do that, but how does that work in coaching? Like with I know there's a lot of online through the phone coaching. Is it like a priority to make a face-to-face? Not face-to-face, but you know where you can see each other through Skype or whatever yeah, type yeah,
2: coaching. Yeah.
1: yeah, for me it is. Is I I always want to see someone's face. Mm-hmm. Okay. Context is everything. <laughs> Even As us you say here, right? <laughs> context is everything. Yeah. And if you can't communicate with context, then the communication. It's like people having arguments over text. That's the stupidest thing ever. Because when you're having an argument through text, there's no context. Yeah. I can't hear the tone of your voice. I don't know if you're being real, if you're being sarcastic, or you're being cheeky or funny. I can't um, see your face. So I don't know if you're listening, understanding, or you're staring off in the distance or processing. You know, So when I coach... Like we're going to use Hangouts or um, Skype so we can see our faces. In corporate world, I use Zoom, mm-hmm, but my right. clients, most of them don't know Zoom. So I just use something that's more approachable.
0: Yeah, I like the, the Zoom. So if people are stuck, as we talked about earlier, fear and stuff, if if, if they want to make an impact, um, you know, how, how can they break free? What advice would you give them?
1: If you want to make, break free? Yeah. So a couple elements is go find out more about yourself. I've taken Myers-Briggs. I've taken DisProfile, Colby A Index, you know, all that stuff. But um, the one that's really got my attention right now is the Enneagram because it's the first of those kind of personality profile type of things that gave words to motives. I found out that a lot of my compulsions to reform and to accomplish things, my drive, if you will, comes because I'm a three and they have nine pieces or nine different personality elements in the Enneagram. And then you can have a wing to one of the other numbers. And so it kind of really paints a picture of who you are. In addition, you get to learn who other people are by observing, you know observation and then you within a very short period of time know how to address them so if you want to make impact to me it goes back to what we were saying before is learning how to communicate in a way that others feel valued and heard and understood and that underscores everything we've just talked about for the last hour right you know? right whether it's your kids your spouse workers coworkers and i would venture to say, even your customers.
0: So if you could go back and look at yourself at the age of 20, what advice would you give yourself from the standpoint of parenting or marriage or business?
1: I would have told myself to stop taking myself so seriously. Don't be in a rush to try and accomplish something great. Um, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I would say that love is not something that is a product of sex or, or conquer you know, of, of trying to conquer something, but love is something of giving, um, and generosity. I would have told myself that I shouldn't be in such a rush to try and be somebody, meaning I wanted to be famous and I wanted to be, you know, whatever that really played into some of my future failures. I wish that I would have been more confident in myself and not be so insecure. Um, I would have told myself to seek some self-discovery and I would have, told myself to invest $20 a month in a mutual fund. (laughs) And, um, and then I would have told myself, yeah, love people. I was, I was pretty arrogant and selfish when I was 20. Yes. I could thought I could conquer the world. That part was cool and audacious and it made me step out, but it was much at the risk of hurting other people.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I did, I hurt a lot of people. Great advice. From the great words
0: of Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith.
1: When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I want people to be able to stand on my shoulders. I want to better the world in such a way that I make it contagious, as I stated before. I want to be a contagion for goodness, for positivity, for mindfulness, and leadership that has a servant mindset. My legacy is my kids, that my kids would grow without the deficiencies of the things I missed out on and that I would appropriately equip them with the tools they need to be successful in impacting the world on their own. I think my greatest legacy is not necessarily what I'm going to do. I think my greatest legacy is is what my kids are Mm going to do. And I take that very seriously.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Angus, that's all we got for today. Um, which is quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I Give go me, a little deep. No, no, that's what I want, man. That's that's awesome. Um, every every interview I've had so far, it makes me want to leave and, and be a be a better man. So I appreciate the transparency, um, and thanks for your time today. My pleasure. We'll Thank see you around at uh, National Podcasters. Tell the audience how they can uh, reach you
1: and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can reach me at AngusNelson.com. Um, I'm on all the social channels at Angus Nelson. And then um, I have a download if you'd like to learn about influence and teach you how to connect with your audience the way that I've kind of described some of the different elements of that. I actually give you uh, about seven or nine different examples. You can go to AngusNelson.com forward slash influence. And I have an ebook there you can download.
0: Cool. And if you're in Nashville and you're uh, doing podcasting, come check out and be a part of uh, Nashville Podcasters. They got a lot of great stuff. Yeah, the meetup. Yep. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Wow. Angus did not hold back. I appreciated that about him the first time I met him. Transparency is key, and I know Angus's desire is to help prevent you from going through stuff that he went through. Hopefully, you walk away from this episode and his story with something that will challenge your story and save you from heading down a wrong path. Make sure to tune in next week to hear Lidge Shaw. He owns a recording studio and is the podcast host of Studio Rockstars. We will dive into Lidge's story, and he will also talk about suing the city of Nashville over his right to run a commercial recording studio out of his house. That should be interesting. I know you'll enjoy it just as much as I did. Thanks again for tuning in to Heart of Nashville. If you enjoyed the show, please take a second and leave a review. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on the guest and ways to connect with them. Now hang around for musical guest Ava Page as she sings sunshine with a little bit of hurricane. The sponsors of this show are Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. You can reach Andrew at 615-973-7657 for any real estate needs in the Nashville and surrounding areas, or if you're looking for a realtor in your local area. If you have any lender needs, give Brandon Hutchison with Legacy Mutual Mortgage a call at 615-866-9468. And lastly, if you have any title or closing needs, give David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow a call at 615-730-7955. They close anywhere and anytime at no additional cost.
2: But she's perfect all you ever alone where they can find you? Well, you can find me at Ava Page Music. That is A-V-A-P-A-I-G-E. Uh, and I have a website, avapagemusic.com, and I'm on all social media under Ava Page Music. So, yeah.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com until next time